0: Psychic listeners. For this episode of A Psychic Story, we have Isabeau Maxwell here and we are going to be talking about building confidence in your intuitive abilities. A lot of you have reached out to me just over the course of two years to say, well, what are my intuitive abilities? What do I do? And different people are in different stages of their spiritual journey. And so very excited to talk with Isabeau here and have her on the show to share not only her journey and her experience, but give us some tips and some insights into how we can navigate this. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Nicole. I am really excited to be here with you. Yes. Yeah, so I'm super excited, like I said, to talk, kind of dive into this. And then before we do, though, and what the listeners can do in their everyday kind of thing, or even if they have a plan, um, what is your journey and how did you get into the spiritual realm and into the spiritual work itself?
1: I will come right out saying that this is not where I expected to be <laughs> at all. I mean, it just wasn't. I am very mathematical, very scientific, very skeptical in nature. I, ha- I got a math degree in college, you know, like one plus one equals two. And I was a full-on skeptic until the age of 31. At 31, my grandmother passed. I remember that I was in New Hampshire. She was in Minnesota. And moments after she passed, she showed up in spirit form in my living room. And I have to tell you, for a skeptic, that's not exactly like the top day. (laughs) That's a day that really can uh, shake everything up. And it did exactly that. I first thought perhaps it was grief. You know, she kept coming back. I could feel her. I knew she was in the room. And I thought, I'm holding on to this. I'm grabbing on to this because it's grief and I don't want to lose her. And then she started to give me proof. And more proof came and more proof came. And then I started to see uh, more spirits in, in different areas like grocery stores out and about things like that and while I can look back now and see that my development was slow in comparison to like the students that I teach today it still felt really rapid and really transformational and today I would say that I would go back and do the exact same thing over and over again but those first two years were quite the challenge going from skeptic to full-on mediumship.
0: Yeah. So what did she look like? Because you said she showed up in spirit form. So what was that like for you? How did you experience that?
1: That's a great question. She came through, and this is what sparked me to think maybe what happened was real. She came through, I would say she was about 70% solid and about 30% transparent. So it was It. it, there was no, did I see that? Was it out of the corner of my mouth or my eyes? Did I catch a glimpse out of the corner of my eye? No, it was like right in front of me.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) And she was there and she was there for maybe two seconds, but long enough to turn, smile and wink at me and then disappear. And I had never had anything like that happen to me before. But what was interesting was that she was wearing a blue shirt. It was a button-down shirt, and it was one of her favorite shirts. She had like three or four favorites. I was very close to her. And it was the next day that I finally got the courage to tell my husband that this had happened. He was at the store with the kids when it happened. And the next morning, the next day, I said, you know, I think I might have seen my grandmother in the living room. And he said, it's funny you say that. I have this really really vivid dream last night of her. And she was wearing, you know, that blue button-up shirt she was wearing? And I went, whoa, okay, I can't brush this off. And so that was the beginning. That was the beginning of all of it.
0: Now, when you you said that this was kind of like your first experience, obviously, it's a very vivid experience. Was there ever anything with your grandmother previously or any, I guess we should say, kind of abilities that your family had kind of expressed? Or was this truly like the first experience that you had at all
1: this was actually the second experience I had the first one I had I I'm guessing my age because no one talks about it and grandma's now now gone I'm guessing I was around nine and I was at my grandmother's house and I recall going upstairs and she had this really big open hallway with a daybed in that upstairs area and there was a woman there putting on stockings and I remember thinking, this is odd. Not equating it with like a ghost or a mm-hmm. spirit or anything like that, because none of that was discussed in in my house with my mom. And I went downstairs and said, Grandma, there's a woman upstairs and she's getting dressed. And my grandmother was like, that's my mom. Don't worry about it. And then we went on. Right, but mom's gone. <laughs> right, yeah. <it> was- <laughs> and then everyone went on with their with their day. What I later found out was that I believe, and I don't know this for sure, but I believe that my mom knew that this activity happened in the family, but she kind of kept it out of our home, probably in a very loving, protective way. We don't talk about that kind of stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Because after grandmother passed, I'm 31 year old adult. I'm talking to my cousin. I'm talking to my aunt. This might sound strange, but, and they're all like, no, doesn't sound strange at all it wasn't until my 30s that I realized the majority of my family (laughs) was open and aware of this stuff and communicating with their grandmother. And and I was like, why didn't anybody talk to me about that? And they were like, well...
0: You're like a family of mediums. It is. It's a family of intuitives and
1: uh, psychics and mediums that I didn't know (laughs) was a family of that. You know, we lived a little bit further away. And I think that everyone just sort of respected my mom's wishes. And that kind of conversation didn't happen around me as I was growing up.
0: That's amazing because I I hear all the time that it's not just genetics, it's almost like the spiritual evolution of your family and your family's purpose. And then that purpose also becomes yours because it's contracted. So you have this family that, whether or not you knew it until later on in life, you know, that were supportive and open to this and had the same kind of abilities in a lot of ways. What was that two-year journey then? Like, so you mentioned you saw your grandmother and that kind of, you know, woke you up a little bit to say, there's more to this than just what I'm physically seeing. You walk us through a little bit of that, like what got you to, you know, that, that two-year journey and what that looked like.
1: After she showed up, especially after my husband had mentioned the dream. That scientific part of me went, okay, I can't turn away from this. I have to at least experiment and explore and see the possibility. And I did. I stayed open. I didn't physically see her again for almost a year. For that year, it was goosebumps. It was that rush that people get. It was that feeling where the hair stands up on the back of your neck and you know there's someone standing next to you, but you can't see them. And every time she would come through, I would try my best to communicate with her. I started with yes and no's, which is one uh, tip that I would love to give your listeners today. Yes and no answers. Sometimes we look at that and say, "Well, that's so basic," or it's hard to get. You know, no, that's a foundation mm-hmm. that everything else can blossom off of. So whether it be a yes and no through a pendulum, yes and no through uh, cards that you use, yes and no just internally for a physical feeling working on that yes and no foundation will expand your intuition in a lot of ways and that's exactly what I did didn't know what I was doing <laughs> but I did I remember finding and some people will relate to this my circles had no one spiritually in them my friends and closest you know family members and stuff didn't really have that that wasn't a life that they lived so I didn't really have many people to talk to and I literally knew one gentleman that was a tai chi instructor I remember saying to him you're the weirdest guy I know. Can you help me? (laughs) And he was so sweet and so loving. He was the one that introduced to me the idea of the pendulum. Yes and no's. And I used that pendulum with her for a number of months. And I recall the day that I tipped into belief and never looked back. And she Came through, I was driving, I was alone, I was doing errands and I could feel her in the car and I pulled over and I was still trying to trust that. And I finally said to her, I said, Grandma, please, I've got two young boys and I need to know if I need to seek medical help or if this, it's grief, if I need to seek some help or if this is real, please, please, please. So I pulled out the pendulum and now I grew up doing a game called 20 questions where you narrow down. To, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but thank goodness I grew up playing that game on car rides because that's what I used with her. And in 15 minutes, it took me 15, 20 minutes to get this answer, but the pendulum between yes and no's told me that my mother would be in trouble, not in trouble, but would need some financial assistance, that she would reach out to me, but that I wouldn't be the one to help her. Someone else would. And I said, This is solid enough that this science based person. Has now a hurdle that needs to be jumped in order to believe it. And a few hours later, my mom called and said, "You know, I'm on this trip, and the bank won't, you know, let this this payment go through. Can you bring cash from your bank to my bank, and then I'll pay you back when I get back?" I said, "Sure, mom, no problem." And I drove to my bank, kind of a little weirded out, like, "Okay, this is a little coincidental." And I got to her bank, but I'm thinking, I'm the one helping her, like. Mm-hmm. This, you know, and I pulled into the parking lot of her bank and she called back and she said, hey, sweetie, don't worry about it. My friend Lisa uh, already fixed it. And that was it. There there was because I wasn't relying on any other intuitives. I wasn't relying on anyone else. It was me in the car with the pendulum with her. It came through and then it happened. And I've never looked back.
0: And you have something that's called the SAGE method. So what does that look like? And how did you, I'm assuming that based on what you're telling me, is you had these experiences and you've developed your own method, which is amazing. So tell us what that looks like.
1: While I would love, Nicole, to take credit (laughs) for this method, I have to give the credit to my guide. I was going through the SAGE method before I even knew it was a method. And shortly after I opened, my first guide showed up. And ironically, he was in my friend's woods, but that's just how it ended up happening. And I didn't know you could communicate with guides in anywhere you were. I thought I had to actually go to this location, and I did. And I kept going there and talking to him. And he, I, I learned from him what guides were. What a lot of this! So he taught me pretty much everything that I know today. And after he would teach me something, I would go out into you know the world and see something that would confirm what he was teaching me. So it was really an exciting time. And what I didn't know was that he was walking me through the formula. You have to do this. Go do this. Okay. Now you have to do this. Do this. Now you have to do this. And he was bringing me the challenges and the things that I needed to get through the formula when i became a professional intuitive as a result of this i was working for i want to say almost a year as a professional and then my guide came through and said everything that i taught you you need to go back into the journals and put it together and teach others so i got a bunch of clients together and said i'm just going to experiment here let's see what happens and we went through it's a seven-week course. We went through it. They did all of the steps in seven weeks that, Nicole, by the way, I did in two years.
0: <laughs> hey, well, Didn't you were know. learning.
1: <laughs> I was learning. And and two years down to seven weeks, I went very strictly on what my guide said. And at the end of seven weeks, everyone just opened. And it was stunning. And I've been teaching the SAGE method now since, I want to say, 2007? So I've been teaching it for a number of years. And it's it's really based on the fact that intuition is already there. It's not something that it's not a muscle that you got to, you know, hone or anything. It's already in there. It's a matter of uncovering it. And the formula literally
0: uncovers it. You say something interesting and that is because I've heard different people describe it differently, but that like, it's almost like if you're a runner or if you're a really good painter, if you don't pick up that paintbrush, you don't necessarily know if you have that ability, right? Or you could be, I can run, but I'm not great at it. Like I'm not going to be running a marathon anytime soon. And even if I trained up to it, I still might be able to complete that marathon, but I'm not necessarily going to be in the Olympics. Right. So some people do say it is like a muscle, but I like the way you talk about it. Cause I think of it, the way I visualize it, it's almost like a knob. Like you can turn the volume up or down on it versus like, depending on how you tap into it. So is that kind of what you were, you're describing?
1: Yeah, I like the running analogy, but I would say that it's more like one of your senses, and really honing. So, I recall uh, when one of my kids was younger, they had a lazy eye that was developing, and they gave them him software equipment that he could play these games, and then it would train his eye, and now he has perfect vision. So. When people say, "Oh, I could," you know, I, I don't know that I could ever be as strong and as intuitive as as this person that I see on television. The difference between that person and the person they see on television is how much time that person on television has really worked at honing it. That is their world. The more focus you put on your intuitive development, the more focus you put on your spiritual path, the more that happens. And I can flip that around, and people will, will probably relate to this. The more focus you put on your human life, the further away that spiritual stuff is is accessible. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, absolutely. I had a friend of mine the other day we were talking and she said she used to be an avid person that works out. And then she said, but lately she's really been wanting to work out and exercise her mind and her spiritual journey. So if she has an hour to meditate versus an hour of working out. She has been leaning more towards that meditation. And she said that she feels a lot freer and it's open, opening her up to that. So that resonates with me. So what is the method that you so what are some of the steps if you don't mind sharing with everyone that we that people can go through for this?
1: Don't mind sharing it all. The first few weeks are based on inner work. So I tell people if you're gonna do the sage method, you gotta be ready to be like, you know, fully blossomed as a person by the time you're done, not just your intuition, but everything else. The first few weeks works on figuring out who you are as a soul, as a spirit, versus your assignments that you were given here. Now, when we come down to earth as a human, our assignments sometimes resonate perfectly with us, but some of the other assignments might not, and it's a matter of identifying that and being able to craft your existence with love for the people around you always as well, but to craft it to feed your soul. So food for your soul is a big part of those first few weeks. You know, I've had people that never knew they were an artist and they took the first 3 weeks of this course and went, I'm an artist. Like this is bizarre. And and everything opened up as a result of that. So while the first few weeks do not necessarily focus on how many fingers am I holding up or what's you know what number is the card that I'm picking kind of thing, it clears out everything that is blocking you and it's not a matter of perfection it's a matter of action intuition spirit as you know responds to action it doesn't respond to that perfection hit it responds to oh bo's moving all right she's moving so we're going to give her the pieces that she need they don't wait for you to get to a certain point to give you what you need it's that action and that's what those first few weeks do the middle weeks really focus on understanding Those weeks, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of information, understanding how everything works. How does intuition flow? How do you access it? Understanding multiple lives, understanding how we come down, how we go back, all of that. By understanding kind of how the engine works in a car, I feel like you can drive it better. And lastly, then, are these really intense, beautiful, wonderful experiments that we do. And we, we don't say tests. We don't say... Anything like that. It's an experiment that will show you both how your intuition flows and how it doesn't like to flow because everyone's very, very unique. It's kind of fun. I want to bring your runner analogy in Mm -hmm. here. Imagine if everyone ran differently. Imagine driving your car and you're seeing different (laughs) runners and they all run like one of them hops on their left leg, the other one hops on the right. You know, one of them runs by taking six foot leaps, skipping, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Somebody runs by skipping. Exactly. That is how intuition is. So when we try to be intuitive and have it look exactly like someone else, we don't get to access the actual natural flow. And when you access that, that sort of zero point natural flow that's yours connected to your wiring, it just, it just opens and it's, it's a lot of fun. So it's really three steps,
0: you know. You say something really important. And I think that obviously know your soul part. A lot of people that come to me and, you know, if it's in a session or even just talking with them as, as a friend, they're like, what is my purpose? What is it that I, I want to do? We are so quick to be in that action mindset that we don't take that time to really look within and say like you said know your soul and there was another episode know your soul with Dr. David Sherwin where we get into that a little bit he has a whole book on it and it's such an important step especially in the society so used to like instant gratification of things that um, I think we just also don't just take the moment to think back and take that step back, actually, of who are we inherently, not what society or what other people have deemed us to be, or how we've formally defined ourselves. I love that you say somebody was like, "I didn't know I'm an artist," or "I was an artist," and it just opened up this whole other realm of possibilities for them. Mm-hmm.
1: And then intuition is right behind that creativity mm-hmm. flowing right out, right out into the world for them. So it is. It's it's unique, and I've met all sorts you can imagine how many students I've met over the years and I've met people who came down here to earth and their human assignments where they lived their parents their job with I mean it was perfect for them it was what their soul was aligned with but some of us aren't aligned with our soul from you know the get-go and we need to open up to the possibility that we need to lean this way or lean that way to be a little bit more kinder to our own soul
0: You say not necessarily, it's not aligning. Is that because, go into a little bit of that more and explain that. Is that because we just are like, we are not awake and we don't know necessarily that what we are supposed to do or we're just, what does that look like, I guess?
1: When we're not in alignment, we were either born into a different soul group, we can say, or born into a a pattern, I like to tell people that it's, you come down here with a blueprint, not a full out, flushed out, this is everything that's going to look like. It's, it's the, you know, the bare bones and the blueprint has purpose. Like you mentioned, I'm coming down here to help children, or I'm coming down here to do medical work, or I'm coming down here to be a scientist. That, that blueprint is solid and we can't get away from it. You'll, People say, well, how do I know what my blueprint is? What is it that you've been yearning for since you were a kid and yet you're always fascinated on? What documentaries do you watch? Do you know what I mean? That's going to pull you towards your blueprint. But sometimes we come down here and we're assigned a family or a location or a situation where we're turned away from our blueprint. And the actual act of having to turn to face that blueprint is going to be a challenge. It's going to be an obstacle, but the experience of it, you need in order to fulfill the blueprint. You know, exactly. I can say that I was one that wasn't blessed with a fantastic childhood. I've had a privileged childhood, but probably, you know, there, there could be some improvement there, but walking through that and then having my own kids and learning and growing as a human being has actually made the work I do today impactful.
0: Yes, that's very important. And that's what I was trying to get to in your own words was exactly what you said, which is that path, while there's a blueprint, it might be that foundation or where we're gonna be. I I liken it to in my mind, we always get to the end journey where we're supposed to be or our end goal. Our we may taken different paths but that's just almost like choose your own adventure like we're going to get to where we need to be I believe at some point because of our higher selves and what we intended to do but that path may take a little bit of derails and detours but it's part of the whole process of learning and being on this spiritual journey exactly Talk to us about intuitive, like building up the confidence and intuitive abilities and how you walk your students or people that talk to you about like just needing help in that general area. What do you advise them to do? What are some things and some tips?
1: This is a question that I love so much because going from skeptic to a professional medium, this was my biggest obstacle. And knowing what I knew beforehand, I mean, a minor in biology, I was so fascinated with all of that. I'm able to bring that humanness into this world of doubt. Because when people open up intuitively, you can have an impactful moment where you pick up something intuitively that not only comes true or is so accurate that it, it takes you back and you're like, wow, that was th- this is incredible. And then two days later, you start doubting it again right you're like is this real is i mean and i know i'm speaking from my experience because I, i had such a far way to go but i would i would go into my office i would do a reading or two i would get one or two hits that were so strong and accurate and way out of left field that i'd come home and i'd say wow this is real this is wild how real this is and then two days later i'd go to go back to work and i'd be like i wonder if i can do this is this really real like and that doubt, I love telling people and, and opening up to the concept that that doubt is partially physical. It's partially physical in our human mind. Our synapses are trained out of habit. There's a reason why it takes a human 21 to 30 days, I don't know what it is now, but to, to break a habit because your synapses in your brain fire in a certain way, in a certain belief pattern. I had synapses anchored in one direction as a skeptic, for 31 years. So I have this incredible moment that happens where a detail comes through that's like, I couldn't have made that up. That's wild. This this intuition thing is real. And my synapses will fire in a different direction. Wow, this is real. This is real. But give it 24, 48 hours, they're going to go back to their habit. So two things with this. The first thing that I love to tell my students is, this takes this doubt out of your hands as far as responsibility. I need you to know there are physical forces involved with this as well. But the second thing is what you can do about it. And I tell people to find a notebook, any notebook. I I love to call it the no doubt notebook. It's my favorite way of saying it. And that notebook is designated only for these amazing intuitive experiences that you have. And after a few weeks of this, you have another moment, wow, you write it down five days later, you're like, I wonder if this intuition to go back to your notebook, read through it, reading the actual experiences that you've had that were strong and impactful and real will help train your synapses to be open to possibilities instead of so stuck in that old pattern of doubt. So first off, don't be hard on yourself. If you're struggling with confidence that comes with the territory, everyone does. sitting here as a professional for years and I'll tell you it's natural but secondly you know give yourself a running total give yourself a, a review a moment where you can look back and say oh okay all right I'm remembering all the things that happened I'm anchored back in that's I guess my biggest piece of advice
0: What else would you say for people? Because there's confidence. Some people have it inherently a little bit more. Some people, like you said, need to kind of experience that and that rewire or reframe the way that they're thinking and they're feeling until they're able to like internalize and become it and have it just be part of their being. Sometimes there's like the confidence within themselves, but then there's also, I feel like a lot of doubt that is placed on us as society or people that are looking in that can also break down our confidence in those respects. So what kind of things would you recommend that people could do to help build up that, I don't wanna say wall, but to break down those barriers a little bit more?
1: There's really two pieces to this. One is internal and one is external. There's, let's get real, Nicole, there's 750,000 pieces to this, but the two pieces (laughs) that I would focus on the most are internal and external. Internal would be keeping your spiritual path in front of you every day. Whether that's picking a card each morning, whether that's doing something like GCP, where you ground and you're clear and you protect yourself and you're balanced and you're focused, the attention to your path every day is very, very helpful. Also, internally, it would be that uh, hill, it's a bigger hill for some than for others, but that hill that you really need to climb of no longer caring what other people think. That can be a really big hill for a lot of people, but if you start climbing it now, you're going to get there. And the third, the second part of this would be external find your group, find your soul group, find your people. And in today's world, I'm grateful that we have internet and connection. We can talk to somebody on the other side of the globe. It's a beautiful thing because there's places out there for you. Even if your immediate surroundings are not there, there are places where there are people that will welcome you and wrap their arms around you. I didn't have a lot of that when I opened up. Now, I opened up back in 2005 when internet still, you know, took forever to, to load. <laughs> um, but I created something called the Sage Circle, and it's an online spiritual community exactly for this. And I would say at least half of the members don't necessarily have a circle around them in their immediate area, but they have the the circle. They have the people that they're making friendships with and connecting with, and they can get on there and they can say, okay, I think I just saw like a faded image of Bigfoot. I think I'm going crazy. And then three other people can be like, nope, you're not going crazy. We think he's an interdimensional person. Yeah. And then they can start, and and you're not alone. That's, I think, the biggest thing is that there are places now that you don't have to be alone. And that would be what I would say, surround yourself with, with your peeps.
0: Yes, I would say I've gotten so many different people that have reached out that they were like, wow, I don't feel alone because I've been hearing different people's stories. That's the whole purpose, too, is that a lot of times we go straight into this is what you need to do versus understanding a little bit more about each person's path and journey and what it took to get them there. So I love that you have the sage circle. I'll definitely include that as well in the show notes. I want to get back a little bit to your guide. So you mentioned like your grandmother at first, and obviously she's been a huge influence in your path and your journey, but then you also had this guide, how would you describe it for yourself or how others may experience their guides and angels? Because that's another topic that kind of comes up a lot, which is how do we know that they're there? What, what are the experiences people have? But what does it look like for you? How'd you know that your guide was there?
1: Now, I stumbled on him in a different way then most of my students have opened up their guide communication. And I have a couple of really fantastic tips that work really well because I've seen it work for so many people. But I stumbled on, i his name is Big Dog, that's what I called him because he just <laughs> felt so big when I first met him. But he was, uh, you know when you see heat rising off of a road mm-hmm. and it's sort of just that shimmer that's what I saw I was leaving my friend's house and I turned and it caught my eye and I could see this shimmer and it was in like a human form in in the woods and I felt pulled it was like I, I went into this mode of I have to go there like I have to be there and I kept coming back and I kept visiting until and this is an important part of it too until I I believe he felt I was committed now I'm a go-getter instant gratification Taurus, <laughs> who went out there and if nothing's going to happen, well, I'm going to go on to the next thing. <laughs> but the pull was so strong and then I could hear like one word or I could sense another feeling. And so I kept coming back for more and more of it. And I recalled when I could finally hear him and he was the only one I could, I could audibly hear for a long time. When I could finally hear him, I could hear him say, like, come back next Friday or come back next Monday. And I remember one day after, like, Nicole, like 10 of these sessions, and I had to get back in my car, I have to go back home. And then I, I remember saying to him, This is ridiculous. If you can say, come back next Friday, I know you can say much more than that. But <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. And eventually I started to understand he just wanted to see that I was committed. This is committed to connecting with him. And this is, Probably the biggest heart piece I would say to anyone with their guides. If you're trying to connect with your guides to find out if you should sell your house, if you should buy a new car, if you should go back to school, they're probably not going to respond to you. Think of guides as, um, your team that's working for you. They're in the teacher's lounge. They're working hard. They're planning. They're getting all the signs set up, trying to get you in the right direction. And you're like the kid outside the teacher's lounge knocking on the door going, what am I going to have for lunch today? That's probably not what they really want to focus on. But when you step toward your guide team saying, I want to be a part of the team, committing to the information that you give me guides, I'm going to take to heart and I'm going to work toward helping you help me. That's when things change. And if anyone has, is listening to this and has pen and paper, grab it now because the one sentence that works so, so well when you say to your guides this, the one sentence would be, what is it you want me to know? That opens floodgates far more than asking specific questions that you want to know. Now, my guide was a lot more stern about this than many people's guides. But when I started to actually have a conversation with him, this is how I figured this out. I went home. I wrote down all these questions that I would ask, just any psychic that I went to. Um, what am I going to sell my house? What are my kids going to do when they grow up? Are they going to get married? Am I going to like their wives? Like, like all these questions. And I went back out to my guide. Now that I had this verbal communication with him and started asking him. And you know what he said? He's like, that's a stupid question. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, you're first off, you're spiritual. So you're supposed to be nicer than that. But and that's a light joke because we know that over the case. Right. And he just kept saying that's ask me an important question. That's when I realized, oh, I said, okay, what is it I need to know? And he went, Well, now that you've asked that, this is what you need to know. And so it's not you know, Zoltar or something where you can put a quarter in Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, I want to know this answer. It's more like if you want to be a part of the team, they'll embrace that. Here's the other thing that I tell people. That's the inner work, changing that perspective on why you want to communicate with them. The other piece of this, the outer work, one, one tool that has worked so well for so many is get into a quiet space, sit in front of a wall that's about three, four feet away from you. And preferably a blank wall so nothing distracts you. And look at the space, visually look at the space between you and the wall, forcing your eyes to defocus. We work so hard at seeing things intuitively that sometimes we skip over the concept that we're looking at the solid. Intuitive things are not in the solid, they're in between the molecules. So you have to disengage your Mm -hmm. vision from the actual solid in order to be able to fall on that space in between the molecules and let that information go through. It's like disconnect, I call it disconnecting from the agreed-upon universe and stepping into this space of flow of energy. That's where you feel things, see things, hear things because you've disconnected from that human solid. And then lastly, I would say defocus, do this five minutes once a day. Don't worry if it doesn't happen the first day or the second day or the second week. Just keep doing it. Be committed, like Big Doug told me. <laughs> and uh, know that and be open to how the messages has come through. Be open to maybe feeling something or having something pop into your head or hearing. Just be open. It can come through in any way and I'm open to it. It doesn't have to happen like it happens for Shirley. It's going to happen for me how it's going to happen uniquely.
0: Yeah, when you were saying that one sentence, the one that I popped in my head was I'm open to receiving. Mm-hmm. I'm open to communicating, to showing. So it's also just another way to kind of reframe it. If you're like, I don't even know what question to ask, because some people may have that list, like you said. I love that you said, um, what questions should I ask or what things do I need to know? But then also I'm open to, or I'm accepting you. Like I want to learn from you. Like I'm open, just that openness, I think makes a big thing.
1: I'm open. I know expectations. I'm stepping into this fresh, no pressure and relaxing it's that pressure that blocks
0: mm-hmm. it really is because people are trying so hard that you know I, I experience it myself too and I'm so connected emotionally or invested in a certain kind of situation or that I want the answer I have to turn it off myself and be like okay release <laughs> and what does that really look like for me um, as well I and mean, we all learn it uh, you know and it's I'm still a work in progress.
1: I hear you. We're all a work in progress. And a lot of my uh, experiences that I have now, in essence, are what I wanted to have in the beginning. Because now I can, I can ask those questions and get that information for myself. And now I can manifest what I want. I can, you know, be a creator in my life and create an environment that I want and bring things into it, et etc. et cetera. But I had to released that in the beginning, mm-hmm. I had to recognize that I'm brandy new. And the only people that really understood it all were my guides. And I had these concepts and these understanding, but I needed to be a part of the team and experience what it was like to be a part of the team before I could start to really hone in and access those things that I want. So I guess what I'm saying is, even though I'm saying, put what you want aside I want you to know it will come. That will come in time. It's just for a little bit, you have to put it aside, go through a little training period there where you're linked in, and then you can manifest and create those things for yourself.
0: Well, it's it's like training wheels in a lot of ways, right? It's like they're not going to just give us the tools to like mess it up, I guess, is what, you know, and also to understand the laws of the universe and rem- remind us where we came from and how, like you said, the, the way the car works. You can drive it better when you know how the car is built and how it works. And you have a better understanding and appreciation of the journey that you're in.
1: Exactly. And when the guide lifts the hood to that car, you have two things you can do. You can say, <laughs> what's that? What's that? What's that? What does that do? What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? Or you can just, you know, quietly listen to the guide explaining to you what it is. So it's a matter of sort of stepping back. And I'm, I'm. for some, this is super easy. For some, this can be really hard. Like I said, I'm a Taurus. <laughs> I want the answers. I don't have a whole lot of patience. Let's go. I wanna understand it all right now. And it, it was quite a challenge for me. If I can do that, anyone else can do that.
0: What other things did you wanna talk about or share that you're getting, whether it's from Big Dog or your guides and angels, that you wanted to share for the listeners?
1: Big Dog was my first guide. He was my teaching guide, and I learned so much from him, and I was so grateful. Probably, if if you said, what's the one thing you want someone to leave here with, it would be the acknowledgement and the care of your energetic body. I think the patience was wonderful. The inner work was incredible to be able to hone my intuition, but hands down, probably the most effective tool I have ever seen Is a tool called GCP, Ground Clear Protect. Again, the formula, I know a lot of people do grounding. They do a lot of, a lot of people are, you know, doing that clearing, clearing out the old energy and such, but putting it all together, grounding first, clearing second, and protecting your energetic body third, that is, that will skyrocket you. That will fast forward you. That will shift your entire life. That negative coworker at work will leave you alone. I mean, it's, it's, what happens when we take care of our energetic body our energetic body expands outside of our physical body and many of us some are so i'm so grateful for those few that were taught this as children but most of us were not whatever is coming at you or happening or whatever if somebody comes up to you and says something sharply to you Believe it that it's going to be in that energetic body far before it ever hits your eardrum. You will feel irritated before you ever hear the sentence that comes through. And this is because our energetic body experiences everything before our physical body does. So taking this daily moment, and I mean moment like 30 seconds, taking a daily moment of acknowledging I have this energetic body, I'm taking care of it, I'm grounding it to mother earth, I'm clearing up the negative or the old energy that I don't need anymore. And then I'm putting a protective filter around it saying, you know, what's supposed to come in should what's not shouldn't, you will be stunned. Do that for a week. It'll blow you away. It, it will absolutely blow you away. It will become your number one go to tool. It's free, it's simple, it's quick.
0: And it shifts the game. It really does. It does. I remember the very first time when I was younger and I was, my grandmother had taught me about grounding and sitting with your feet, you know, your feet on the floor in a chair and picturing the energy kind of going down into mother earth. And I remember just feeling literally that connection. And that's obviously a little bit of a deeper step, but just what you said, even the intention of thinking through that you're grounding, you're cleaning, and you're protecting that is setting your whole day ahead of you, or even your evening if you're doing it the middle, you know, the the night before you go to bed. That's huge.
1: A quick example of that, that is really telling. I was, when I first opened up intuitively, you know, I was, I was feisty. I was, (laughs) you know, I was driven and, If you picked a fight with me, I guess I would verbally step right on in. I guess that's where I was at, and a lot's changed. And like I said, I would always do this again because I love my life now. But I remember when I first got this practice, when I first received this practice from Big Dog, and I was trying. I'm a good student, so I was trying very. I pulled into a parking lot. I was going to Starbucks. There was no parking, so I chose to park in a parking lot of a restaurant that was closed down across the street. That was my choice, and I got out. And a woman that was in a car in the same parking lot put a book down, got out of her car, made a beeline for me and started yelling at me for parking in this parking lot. And I remember being stunned that this protective sort of shell, this filtering shell, was stopping the energy from coming in. And I remember feeling like a kid because this was the first time it ever worked. I was like, this is working in my head. I was like, this is so weird. This woman's like yelling at me and I'm not reacting. Like I'm not feeling any of it. And this is just so wild. And it 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 hit me so strongly that the woman eventually, I didn't even know she had stopped talking at that point because I was so focused on that. that silence must have gone on because she's like, well, say something. And I kind of snapped back into it and went, oh, I'm just trying to figure out what to say. She like, why are you figuring out what to say? And she's like yelling. And I said, because I'm just trying to think of what to say. And I said, you know what? You're right. You're right. Like, I'm going to, I am going to make the choice to go in and get my chai tea, but, <laughs> but you're right. If you told me that's, you're spot on. Exactly. And she just walked away and I walked away and I just stood there in line at Starbucks going, wow, that worked. And I didn't stew about it. I didn't lay in bed thinking about it. I didn't call three girlfriends to be like, can you believe this? Because her energy wasn't on my path. There's probably somebody else that's going to park there later today that that they're on each other's paths and that's going to affect them the way that they need to be affect them. But for me, that wasn't part of my path. It wasn't an energy that I was supposed to take in. Mm-hmm. And it was a very bizarre feeling in a really cool way.
0: I do have one more question because I've heard different thoughts about same protection, right? So in some cases, if you say protect, are you putting it out there that you need protection or then the the idea that you're putting protection because you're setting a boundary and that's a healthy boundary to have. Obviously I think I know where you lean, but what do you think about those two different thoughts about that step or process?
1: I have heard people say you don't need protection. And I've heard people say that everything that happens to you flows and it flows through. And I get that having you know, this many years of seeing people using GCP and seeing the effects of it and effects in my own life, it's not that simple. It's not 20 of us in a, in a, in a group that live in huts and <laughs> there's no outside influence. Human beings are exposed to thousands of advertisements a day. They're exposed to uh, heavier and heavier amounts of uh, depression and lower vibrating energy when they go out and about in their days. I don't see it as protection. I see it as a filter Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I see it as an acknowledgement. But with that said, there is still a very small percent that, yeah, we can run into a situation where we can have a negative spiritual experience. And then that filter, that protection is going to stop that from happening if it's not on our path. Really, in the end, this is an intentional exercise setting, like you said, so well said, thank you, healthy boundaries. To say that this is my value, this is my beautiful soul walking through this earth, I willingly take on the challenges if they're on my path. And I also even more so willingly want to give back and have that ripple of positive effect happen, which can only be done by not carrying the energies that you're not supposed to be carrying.
0: That gave me chills because I love the way you said it, filter, That's the best way I think it's described because I think sometimes people think of it being a protective like boundary that it's like so hard, but really it's a filter to say energy is still in flow, but you're just being intentional about whether or not it's for your best and highest good to even experience it, right? Exactly. And it's,
1: and a lot of it's actually even out of our hands. If I was supposed to, if that woman and I were supposed to be on each other's paths, there's no amount of GCP that's going to stop that it's not going to happen it's just not and i've i've stepped into a room before and felt just this heavy awfulness i've done gcp and it dissipates that means that that heavy energy i'm not supposed to take on i can still help with whatever situation's happening but i wasn't supposed to take it on internally i can then on a different day step into a room heavy energy gcp it doesn't go away okay I'm in this. This is part of my path. So, just because you do GCP doesn't mean it's going to be butterflies <laughs> <laughs> right. and lollipops every single day. We're still going to have the challenges, but there's no need to carry the challenges that are slowing you down that aren't yours to carry.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much. How can people get in touch with you or how would you like them to reach out? The
1: sagemethod.com is the best place to start. The website has links pretty much to every avenue that you need. For some people, it's that connective community uh, component that they need, like the Sage Circle. For some people, they're like, I am ready. I'm ready to open my intuition. That would be the Sage Method. So there's the Educational Component Meditations community. But you'll find all of that at thesagemethod.com. And the Sage Method is the same for all of our social media as well. On Facebook, it's the Sage Method, Instagram, Sage Method, YouTube, and that And the YouTube channel is a lot of fun. Actually, I would encourage people to go there because there's so much helpful information there and fun too.
0: Thank you very much. You made it easy for people to find you. I'll make sure to include that in the show notes as well. And just wanted to thank you for your service to others and for sharing your story and being on the show.
1: I want to thank you for having me. This is a perfect connection and it felt amazing for this entire time that I was with you, Nicole. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at apsychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about or have a suggestion for a future guest? Send an email to contact at a or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a psychic when you do, because it allows me to get in touch with you. If your name is pulled in the drawing, your name stays in until you win.